Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Coin Press podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today I'm joined by Nick Dodson, CEO of Fuel. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super glad to have you. So uh, let's jump right into it. Can you tell us what is Fuel? Yeah, for sure. So Fuel is, and this is the way we like to talk about it now, is the fastest modular execution layer. Uh, so modular execution layer is a newer term in the space um, and kind of happy to, to dive into that a little bit. Um, but essentially, the way that I like to describe it is there's a shift happening in the layer one space uh, where layer ones are shifting from what we call a monolithic design over to a modular design. This shift uh, basically means that the layer one chains will separate a piece of their architecture, so the execution portion, from their data portion, the transaction data and the consensus data. And in this shift, um, you know, there's basically going to be an opportunity to have these fantastic execution layers that can leverage all this new bandwidth uh, that this kind of modular shift opens up. And so when we say fuel is the fastest execution layer, we mean that you know fuel is the fastest execution layer for the modular blockchain stack. So this is this is uh, inherently what we what we like to say. And you can define modular execution layer as well as a verifiable computation system that is designed for modular blockchain. So this is like a, a definition we like to give out. Um, fuel was in the past also a layer two for Ethereum. So we were the first layer two optimistic rollup, and that's probably how people know us as well. Uh, so it's yeah. like worth mentioning. Um, but certainly now I think in this in this current phase, uh, you know, we like to talk about the modular execution portion and, and you know, that's really, really where we're headed. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, what fuel brings to the table and, and what it brings to the table for modular execution, we say that fuel brings maximum security and the highest flexible throughput. So maximum security here, we mean basically a, an execution layer that leverages uh, shared data layers. So uh, a shared data layer similar to Ethereum or a shared data layer similar to blockchains like Celestia. Uh, so shared data gives us a lot of uh, integrity in, in the data security of the system. Uh, it prevents watchtower problems and other things like that. So it gives a very high grade of security. And then highest flexible throughput, meaning Ethereum style Turing complete smart contracts. That's what we mean by flexible here. So it's not just, you know, bytes over bandwidth, transaction volume, but really, you know, more so the maximal amount of compute. So the maximal amount of smart contract compute you can fit through uh, a, a blockchain. And so that's really, really key uh, to fuel and what it is. And so that's what we say when we say, you know, maximum security and highest flexible throughput. So, um, so to achieve this, um, I, I can go into some high level points of, of kind of how we do that. But, um, but I would say that's probably the fastest definition of, of fuel that I, that I can provide. Cool. No, that's really helpful. Um, yeah. So focusing on the execution layer being separate from consensus and uh, the data layer. So yeah. I, I am curious because you're focusing on the execution layer and optimizing for high compute throughput. Are you like, do you have to care about the efficiency of, of the, um, the data storage? Like, because there's the, um, the cost and the, uh, the, the speed of storing to disk versus Ram and, and that sort right. of thing. Right. It, it's, does that fit into fuel at all? Or is that all handled by the other layer? 
Oh no, that's that's definitely all. That's what we that's what we handle. Yeah. So storage is storage is really important to us. Compute is extremely important to us, um, and it's really kind of every aspect of the execution. So that's mem memory storage uh, and, and compute, generally speaking. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Um, are you? Do you do anything with disk, or is it all like RAM focused? Oh yeah, so we, we definitely we we definitely do do stuff with disk. Yeah, so um, you know we we have storage uh, implementations that are very similar to Ethereum. So it has very very similar criteria to Ethereum in certain aspects of how it uses storage uh, in disk. Um, sure. But of course, because we have other aspects which I can bring up later, such as parallel transaction execution, yeah. um, we have a lot more capacity to go back and forth to disk and a lot more. Kind of interesting ways we can do that so we can better utilize disk um and kind of have better strategies for disk um so but i can, I can get into that later but yes storage memory compute very important to us cool that's awesome um so with that focus on you know being the fastest execution layer and, and being modular so you can fit in with you know celestia or ethereum or, or whichever blockchain decides to modularize and, and needs a fast execution layer um what, like, what pain points are you trying to solve? What's the real problem here? Is it just that, you know, there's these blockchains now that are going modularized and need good execution layers, or are you trying to, like, replace EVM or something like that? Right, right. So, I think the main problem, is that there's a there's a few key ones. Um, a, a center problem is that on the journey to scaling blockchains for you know, every person on planet Earth, uh, we've kind of moved to layer twos to try to address this. However, layer twos don't answer all the questions. Uh, mm -hmm. They actually are just a piece of the answer for how as human beings, we scale these sort of autonomous, uh, autonomous systems, um, these autonomous blockchain systems. And so really, um, you know, the problem is really that layer twos don't solve everything. Um, and that you actually need uh, a different kind of system if you really want to solve blockchain scalability. Um, and that different kind of system has to leverage things like a shared data layer and has to have extremely high throughput capability to be able to fully maximize like accessibility to blockchains. Yeah. So I'll say that, um, you know, that's the problem is, is that layer twos are, are not where this stops, is that in fact, modular execution is the next phase of, of scalability for blockchains. Sure. And so for us, we kind of see that as like a, like a centerpiece problem that we're, that we're trying to address, which is just that, okay, so now you have more bandwidth from modular blockchains like Ethereum 2.0 and Celestia, how do you handle that? And you know, how do you actually capitalize on that and make it accessible to everybody so we can all use it? Um, and if you continue down the processing path of the current EVM designs, you're going to highly constrain both the design use cases and the accessibility to these blockchains. So essentially, by continuing down that path, you run yourself into a really uh, bad place uh, as a uh, as a community. So having these alternative architectures that are designed for high throughput and that address a lot of the baggage and um, kind of bloat of the previous systems, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think is really, really key. So that's what that's what feels trying to address. Gotcha. Okay, awesome. So when you talk about the, the accessibility of blockchains, um, that 
at least to me, gets toward, uh, you know, the decentralization aspect. Um, because you're focused so much on the, the speed, right? Um, I have to assume that you're uh, maybe not neglecting, but um, spending less effort on one of the three uh, parts of the trilemma, right? So you mentioned speed, you mentioned security. So is the decentralization aspect um, being left behind in fuel or is it like less of an emphasis? Oh, no. I mean, we have a, an incredibly high emphasis on that. I would say the whole reason why we want to do fuel in the way that we want to do it as a modular execution layer is so that you can retain a very high grade of decentralization while having high throughput and high um, you know, execu execu uh, execution capacity um, without losing the nice things that we got from Ethereum and also without you know, and also with recognizing systems like Solana and other runtimes that are parallel runtimes and being able to have a system which mediates between all of the things that we know now um, and give a developer or project or user uh, a very high grade of, uh, of security and assurance uh, and decentralization while you know providing all these other things at the same time. So that's that's the main goal is to have your cake and eat it too kind of thing. Cool. No, I like that. So if uh, if I were making a blockchain like Celestia or or whatever, right, and I, I needed a um, an execution layer, yep. the and I were to go with Fuel, would that automatically lock my my node runners into uh, a specific minimum um, hardware requirement, or is that something that I could play with on my own terms? Yeah, so so basically, um, you know, fuel just like a lot of other runtimes and, and blockchains. I mean, it will have specific hardware requirements. So you'll have to, if you want to run the full kind of node implementation, not a light client node, but a full node, yeah. um, you'll need to be able to 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 run that hardware requirement. So that's just a, you know, a physic of a blockchain in, in general that that just right. needs to be dealt with. Um, as for Celestia and and Ethereum. Um, People who run layer two architecture um, will obviously need to run their you know companion nodes, whether that be like Ethereum or Celestia. So if we do the full implementation as say, you know, arbitration and asset bridging on Ethereum, but we do data availability on Celestia as the full modular execution layer, then of course we need to run both systems. Um, but I think what's nice about Celestia is the way that it's designed should allow for um, a level of operation with Celestia such that I don't think I'll need all the data. I can only, I can pull the data that I need for just particularly fuel um, and not have to run everything. So I'm pretty sure that's the way Celestia has um, things put in mind, but I, I could be wrong. Cool. Yeah. And I have um, somebody from Celestia coming on the podcast in a week or two here. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that more there. Um, good. Yeah. So good times. Uh, so yeah, I think what you're doing with fuel is needed. Like looking at the the space of, you know, just the trend towards modularization, the need for speed, so blockchain can compete with, you know, Visa and all the various centralized services of the world. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I mean, one of the challenges with decentralization is, you know, you're still a person and you have a company <laughs> that you've got to keep alive here. Um, is is the fuel network all the code is it open source and freely available yeah so at, 
everything we're currently doing, I mean, minus a few things that are still work in progress, but will be, you know, released eventually, mm -hmm. um, is, you know, will be open sourced or is going to be open sourced. So, um, you know, everything with fuel should, should be able to live on its own. Um, I think as a, as a project, we, you know, really have a, a strong emphasis on the fact that we just have a lot of people on the planet that are collaborating towards the protocol. Um, and they're, they're all really dedicated and focused on this particular vision we have in mind for, you know, blockchain processing and, and the way that blockchain should work. And, and I think, um, you know, we just have a strong emphasis on the fact that this is far more of a, it's far more of a, a group and a collective, um, than mm -hmm. is anything else. And that like, we have a strong emphasis on open source and also, uh, eventually moving towards things where like, you know, it, it can live well beyond the management or the realization of just the founders like that, uh, yeah. you know, founders or, or, or the, the, the first pass of engineers. So, um, I think fuel has some core beliefs that we want to give to kind of the next kind of groups coming up through contributing to the protocol and the, the key ones there being that, you know, we believe in the engineer over engineering. This is the first one, which is sort of a, like a play on words. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's basically getting into the fact that a lot of people get really caught up in just the engineering and they forget that if you don't empower the engineer who's using it, um, then, and you don't focus on them as actually the key user, the key driver for why you're doing this, you just forget everything. So our big focus with fuel is to, to drive at that, at that core belief. Another one is that every computation matters. So if you're going to deliver a high execution system for the entire planet, everyone's going to be paying the price of those executions that are, are written into the chain. So you have to have a very high sensitivity to building a great system that will fulfill kind of their needs. But at the same time, just every single computation, every, everyone's going to have to pay for essentially in, in a sense. And so you want to be really, really careful with computation. So every computation matters. It's very, very key as uh, like a deep belief. Um, and, you know, lastly, I'll, I'll just say that I think just generally, I think we have a, you know, a strong, a strong commitment to, you know, open source, a strong commitment to, um, you know, kind of progressing outside of our, um, you know, progressing outside of our current kind of system and, and breaking out into things like a DAO. Um, but on top of that, you know, that, um, and this is a really key lesson is just from learn from the past. So like, you know, currently in, in, in the blockchain space, a lot of projects have failed to really, I think, internalize the previous mistakes of the other systems. And so as, a, as another core tenant, aside from open source and the obvious things there, um, you know, learn from the past, learn from Ethereum, learn from Solana, learn from Wasm, learn from, you know, every key chain that that's made some, um, you know, some, some benefit and then, and use that in the future designs. Um, so, you know, that's like a, a really key thing for us as well. That's cool. Um, I, I think that's really important. You you hit on a lot of things there, but the the thing I want to focus on is the just kind of the, the missional focus here, right? It's not about the bottom line. It's about producing something that's a public good and and engaging mm -hmm. people meaningfully, which is honestly like totally with in line with the the ethos of blockchain and people who are actually working on the technology. Um, yeah. I'm, I am curious, how are you going to make money off this? 
<laughs> or are you? Right. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, that's like a, that's always a, an interesting question. Um, I'll say that I think, so for us, like, you know, currently Fuel, uh, we have a foundation. We, we've been pretty private, both about, um, you know, kind of like our kind of relationship with the people who support us. Um, but essentially over the next, like, I'll say over the next three to six weeks, we should have um, more clarity or actually uh, to like a month, month or two, uh, we should have a lot more clarity to the public on exactly kind of how, you know, we do things and like why we do them, um, sure. particularly with financing. But I think we want to save that for a proper press release yep. and a proper moment, um, like a proper setting. Uh, but, um, you know, I think, I think there's a way that, that sort of everyone wins and, Ultimately, again, a lot of the engineers who work work with fuel, they don't have to do this. They can do right. all sorts of other things. Um, right. They chose to do this. They chose to do this particular design. They chose to build something that isn't EVM, that isn't easy. None of none of what we're doing is easy at all. Yeah, because they see uh, they see something here that is um, uh, you know important, and I think like. I think it goes well beyond beyond money, um, but of course we'll have answered questions to that, but in a proper setting with for a proper sure. press release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be watching for that one. That, that's awesome. Um, cool. So, uh, help me understand your your relationship with EVM and Wasm and and that sort of thing. Like, if I'm a chain that's you know, I want to have an EVM or execution layer and support solidity, or I yeah. want to be Wasm. Um, is fuel like, are you locked into one of those or is it like a totally separate thing and I can plug in my own um, virtual machine on top of that? Right. So it's not a total, so to, to answer it really concretely, it's not the EVM, it's not Wasm, um, okay. it's not uh, Solana uh, as well. It's not anything like that. Um, so I can I can go into the three core tenets of, of Fuels Tech. I think that might help um, yeah. answer this question a little more. So, so basically, the three core things that make Fuel work and how and how it works, and I, I think these are like big differentiators as much as they're things that make it work. Um, is we have uh, what's called a transaction model that is a parallel transaction execution model. So with this, um, this is really, really important. Um, it basically means that uh, our nodes, the fuel nodes, can validate and verify blocks uh, using all the threads and cores of your CPU. So instead of um, having to just use one uh, and basically have a serial thread of transactions that you have to process, uh, we can actually process all the transactions in parallel. This is in, a, in opposed to, you know, say a lot of the current EVM systems out there, which don't have this. So it's really hard to parallelize the EVM and, and Ethereum as it currently stands. Uh, it's been a research, you know, ongoing research topic for a long time. People have tried it and attempted it. Um, there is ways to probably do it. It's just not great. And the results are not, you know, they're not fantastic. And it's messy. Uh, and it's not backwards compatible, likely not backwards compatible. So there's a lot of issues with it. The thing is parallel transaction execution is um, something that opens up, you know, when you open up more threads and cores of the CPU, um, you get a lot more access to compute. So this is really huge. You get a lot more ability for the CPU to go to disk, to go to RAM, um, to do a lot more operations, which vastly reduces the cost of, of these kinds of operations for users. And then secondly, 
it allows use cases that we couldn't have done before typically. So a lot more high complex like algo use cases and things like that. So parallel transaction execution is a, a really big one. Um, and just a note on that as well, that Ethereum in the way that it's constructed is such that the reason why it has to validate transactions one after the other, and it can't just do parallel transaction execution is primarily because when you verify an Ethereum block, you really don't know what transactions are going to touch uh, in the database. So when you don't know, you basically have a situation where you have to go, okay, well, I don't know what this one's going to touch. So I have to run this one before I run the other one in a specific order. And so you end up having this like really awful ordering issue and, um, and random access issue. So with fuel, the difference is, you know, we, make our transactions, we make the block producers define what areas of state they're gonna to touch. Um, and when you do that, um, you basically can see beforehand, okay, just by the data, these transactions touch these areas, these transactions don't. You can break that up, you can statically analyze that and break it up into parallel threads and parallel processes. And the cool thing is you can do that not just within a block, but you can do it across a huge swath of blocks. So you can literally download massive chunks of blocks and also parallel process the entire thing. Um, so it's not just within a single block, it's, it's across many. Uh, so this helps reduce the sync time, retaining decentralization, it's very key. Also opening up more threads and, and compute. So parallel transaction execution, it's a big one. Um, nice. The second one is the fuel virtual machine. Uh, so we have parallel transaction execution, then we have the fuel VM. So the fuel VM is also really key. So this is going to probably answer your question too. Yeah. So the fuel VM, the fuel VM is a from scratch virtual machine. So it's completely new. Um, it learns from Ethereum. It learns from Solana's runtime and it learns from Wasm. Um, there's a few other blockchains, obviously, that takes into consideration like Bitcoin and, and uh, a few others. But um, it's a from scratch virtual machine um, and it has many key differences. But the big takeaway is that it cleans up a lot of the waste. So the computational waste that things like the EVM generates. Um, which obviously reduces price um, and, and, and overhead, but it increases the kinds of use cases uh, that you can do. So it opens up a lot of doors and potential for developers. So the way that it does this is it has a lot of new ways to execute things and a lot of new ways to handle different use cases. So unlike Ethereum, for example, um, and this is just to tap on like a few things, you know, Ethereum basically has like uh, only calls and contracts, for example. That's fine, but you can't do sophisticated things like from a single origin call many contracts. You can't do it. You have to read through contracts and do a bunch of other things. It's very odd the way that you have to end up doing that. So with Fuel, we have scripts, predicates, and contracts. So scripts allow you to, from a single origin sender, actually just call many contracts, for example. And then that's just a printable transaction you know, data that just goes away later. So it doesn't bloat state. It's just what it is. You can imagine all the Uniswap routing and all this other stuff that you see, all that can just be taken care of by a script. You don't need to build these complex routing functions or systems anymore. Uh, right. So that's one thing. We have other things like predicates, predicates, which are basically spending conditions you can put on outputs. So Fuel uses a UTXO system underneath the hood uh, and not a uh, account system. So we have outputs in our transactions. When you have outputs, um, you can actually send an output to a condition, which is really cool. So not just to an account, but to a condition such that the condition needs to be met in order for it to be spent. So like I could send you some funds, but I could put a condition on it and say, well, you can only spend it under certain conditions. Having predicate spending conditions like that allow you to do so many new, interesting kinds of designs that we currently don't have because there's so much lighter to handle and use. So it just makes 
you know, predicate spending condition ideas possible in which they just weren't possible before. And you had to deploy smart contracts and do all sorts of stuff just to, just to have that kind of functionality. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. The fuel VM also has things like multiple native assets, um, you know, which allow contracts and deployed assets um, into fuel to basically have their own type, which is something that Ethereum desperately lacks. So, so Ethereum only have one, which is ether. So there's a lot of, restriction with the way that ethereum is designed and fuel the fuel vm just kind of opens up all those doors it tries to open up as many possibilities as possible um and uh as, you know as much potential as possible uh by doing that uh, and the last thing to fuel is the developer experience so with, that's basically sway and fork so we have our own language called called sway it's a from scratch dsl uh domain specific language that targets the virtual machine so targets the fuel vm um, and it's really meant to give a developer full control over the whole system and, and really give them the kinds of optimizations, error messaging, uh, everything that they need to feel like they're in full control of, of the development experience. And then we also have our own tool chain called Fork, and that's like a fully vertically integrated tool chain, similar to like Cargo or NPM. And that's there to support, uh, you know, Sway developers, just so that we don't need to rely on say like a community contribution version of these systems, which we've seen like kind of lack in support or be missing things or not good communication with, you know, compiler teams and th things like that. So having a full tool chain there really, really key, especially for a new language. Um, so these are the three things that, that kind of, you know, make fuel, um, you know, the kind of differentiate fuel, fuel and, and uh, the, the, the power. So parallel transaction execution, the fuel virtual machine and our developer experience. So that's really the, the key stuff there. Yeah. Cool. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we could go down all those much deeper, but, uh, I'm curious on the, the point of the fuel VM, um, mm -hmm. you mentioned like, you know, the, the need for ether on Ethereum and, um, right. with the, with gas costs, um, there are other chains, like one that I'm, uh, intimately working with is, uh, Coinos where, right they don't have like a gas system it's a separate resource credit system that's based on a regenerative property of the token right uh, is that something that fuel could support like a different type of payment that isn't just straight up gas tokens or is this like are you where does that design fit with fuel right so so fuel does inherit um the property of gas particularly to just restrain the possibility of like a like a grieving vector over just like using too many operations in a, in a transaction for example so it's just like you know it's the natural physics of just like actually um you know having a system to account for computation sure and when we say gas in ethereum um we we you know we we essentially meter it uh similar to ethereum however the difference is is the way that we'll get to our metering results will be very very different from the way ethereum is metered so we can actually meter in a way that's based upon you know benchmarks and it'll probably end up being a lot cheaper for for like per operation just because of the way we've designed things so yes. i think we'll get a lot of really nice metering properties in terms of how it's paid for so on initial deployment of fuel execution layers um i think we'll still just be using ether as the core base um you know like payment mechanism for uh paying for gas and there's economic and sort of security reasons for doing that um however we can support um, nascent uh, mempools. So we have a really nice node architecture that allows for uh, multiple mempools. And mm -hmm. in those other mempools, you could easily have 
um, you know, just like a, a market where you could, you could pay for your transaction in you know, USDC or USDT or whatever it might be, some stable coin or compound token or whatever it might be. Uh, so uh, basically, um, there'll be there'll be other secondary mempools that will allow for that, uh, and then we'll expose uh, easy access to those mempools. Um, so you'll be able to pay for things in whatever token you want uh, when the system is kind of fully fledged out, and you know whatever the market wants to take, obviously for tokens. But it's really up to a miner, uh, and and so um, you know just like in Ethereum, a miner can accept the transaction uh, for sort of zero price. There's still a gas limit, um, but they you know, how you work out the, the fee paying system to that. It's, it's like a, uh, another, another question. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, and then on the point of sway, uh, is I, I've never, I haven't seen sway before. So I'm curious, is it similar to solidity or did you pull in perspiration from other places or. Yeah. So, so sway, sway is, um, it basically, it emulates rust very, very closely. Uh, so very similar to rust. However, it learns a lot from Solidity. So it's very um, sort of educated in the design principles of what we learned from Solidity over the past like you know, many years of, of Solidity development. Mm -hmm. um, so it brings in the fact that it's a language designed to target a blockchain. So one key thing with Rust is that Rust is an amazing language. We use it everywhere in our architecture and we, we love it. Um, but Rust is a systems language. So it's really meant to target a computer, a CPU, Right. Uh, even less so FPGA, even less so blockchain. And so the further away you get from its initial design, the less the tooling, the optimization, the structure, um, the way that it works, kind of works for the developer. So for us with Sway, having our own DSL, having our own language, it allows us to give the developer a very Rust-like experience, but with sort of the clarity that this is meant to target this particular system. Um, so Sway is really influenced you know, heavily by by Rust, it's heavily influenced by Solidity, and it's also influenced by um, you know languages like Move, which is like Facebook's blockchain language, uh, particularly because they had stuff there about scripts and multiple you know native assets, things like that. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think so. My my one critique of of what I'm hearing is that Fuel sounds like uh, it's extremely powerful you know gives all the ability and power to the developer it's modular so it can be plugged into you know whatever blockchain you're you're building which is awesome but because of the um the rust design and you know just the the inherent complexity which goes with a lot of things in blockchain it's not uh necessarily specific to fuel your your target developers and people who would actually engage with you are uh technically rather proficient right so in terms of the accessibility of what you're building this isn't something where uh, a, a new blockchain developer would come in and and really understand what you're what you're doing do you agree with that or, or is that am i oversimplifying it so i'd say i i'd say I disagree but i'll, I'll tell you why it's like so there's a few things here so one thing is that fuel the, the way that the developer experience works because everything is vertically integrated it's actually much easier to get started with a vertically integrated environment where you have just cohesive examples a solid book you know you have like everything at your fingertips kind of thing um and you have full control over the the whole experience so i'll say that 
uh, on the one note, I actually think for new developers, it might be a lot easier for a new blockchain dev to just use Sway um, because we've learned so many development lessons from the previous architectures. And even though there might be more docs and more things available for other languages, um, I have a sense that I think within like a six to eight month period, we'll, we'll like vastly outsurpass, you know, a lot of the current features that we'll need that are in the ecosystem that are helpful right now. Um, and yeah. a developer would feel much more at home with Sway than they would with like Solidity and Hardhat or, or Foundry, for example, um, just because the tool chains there are not fully and cohesively integrated with all the client and everything else like we have. So I think developers might see that. They might feel that, that pretty quickly. But I'll also say um, for Solidity devs, it's like very trivial for them to move over. Um, like we've already got some initial feedback from Solidity devs where they love it. I mean, it's basically like a cleaned up version of what they already use. Um, and we still keep a lot of the nice things from Solidity and from uh, the EVM. So we keep a lot of the similar storage concepts and call and contract paradigms in some senses. So a developer coming from that environment is still going to have everything that they used to have. It's just they have a lot more power at their disposal. So they know that if they construct with us, they can actually write a sophisticated algorithm. It'll work, it'll compute and it'll actually be efficient you know, for their users. They could actually write, you know, interesting DeFi apps that they would on Ethereum, um, but have all the advantages of fuel, both for security and high throughput. So I think Solidity devs would feel quite at home. Uh, Rust devs will definitely see some famili familiarity uh, because it's very close to Rust. Um, but unlike Rust, we don't actually have to deal with multi-threading in the language itself. We don't have to deal with a bunch of other things that typically make Rust a hard experience to, to, to deal with. So it should actually be a pretty smooth experience for developers. I actually don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, yes, there'll be a rewrite involved uh, for applications, but we'll be surfacing a lot of really great examples, lending protocols, DEXs, um, kind of full full applications so that you know devs have stuff they can just take off the shelf, you can copy and paste, drop and deploy right away. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. Cool. That's awesome. Um... So tell me a little bit about your your roadmap from here. Uh, where where is the fuel network at in terms of development? And you know, if I'm building a blockchain today, can I start integrating the execution layer, or is there a timeline for that? Uh, just curious where you're at. Yeah. So basically, um, the the current roadmap is we have um, a user facing uh, DevNet coming, uh, so that'll allow people to actually you know, experience using a, a fuel app over, over a live persistent DevNet. Um, they can see um, some really key things um, that I think people didn't think were possible over UTXO models. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is it'll be a developer facing DevNet. So then we'll have all, all of our developer tooling lined up uh, and they'll be able to target the persistent DevNet. Currently, developers can already take Sway off, off the shelf. Um, they can already run everything locally with local node. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's all available to them right now. Um, but in terms of publishing and, and publishing over a persistent DevNet, um, that's coming uh, in sort of the few, I'd say like the next four to six weeks. Cool. And then after that, um, you know, we basically have, uh, I'll say, because we haven't really publicly announced this yet, but we have a pretty big announcement coming, um, you know, hopefully at the end of the second quarter, or just maybe a month out, a month past the second quarter uh the end of second quarter and um and that'll be essentially 
you know, to say the, say the least, it'll be a lighter security version of Fuel, um, but it should be a version that developers can use mainnet Ethereum assets with Fuel in a Fuel execution context. Um, so it'll help spur on a lot of early development um, and will allow us to kind of showcase what we're about. And, and it won't be the full modular execution layer. That'll be something that, you know, we'll see later on uh, in the year uh, or, or potentially early next year, um, and especially as Celestia comes about as well. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's basically like like a bit of a heads up on the on the timeline. So we're we're moving pretty quick. Um, but again, it's a completely new language, completely new architecture, completely new VM, new node, new consensus environments. Like it's a uh, it's pretty wild. So everything's new. <laughs> everything's new again. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, awesome. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you coming out and taking the time. I. I think what you're doing with Fuel is very needed, and I'm excited to see where you go from here. Um, so where can people find you? Yeah, so the the main site is fuel.network. Um, so that's the the, the main web page. Um, we will be like rebranding that pretty pretty shortly. So um, like a complete, uh, not changing the name or anything, but just rebranding that, <laughs> restructuring that site because it's uh, our marketing has been has been less than ideal. Sure. Um, so we're 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 in the in the in the process there. But fuel the network, and then for Twitter, uh, it's just at fuel labs underscore. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. that's our, our current handle. Uh, and then definitely just like you know, um, you can find our Discord links there. Uh, definitely you know, drop us a line in Discord. Um, and uh, yeah, we also uh, should have exciting news as well about a hackathon coming up. So so that's gonna be gonna be pretty great. Um, so devs can can start fooling around this way uh, in, in a hackathon setting. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. Good deal. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you again so much, Nick. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. All right. All right, everybody. Well, join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.